If you would repeat after me, transformation is a lifelong process, process. of growing in God's grace, ultimately completed by God's grace in eternity. Transformation. Are there stages and benchmarks? Are there steps and signposts? How can we know if we are making any progress whatsoever in a transformed life? We don't want to just live a good life. We want to live a transformed life, more in the image and likeness of Christ. That's what we're talking about these few weeks together. Some have suggested that religion itself has these stages or four movements. And the four movements are cleaning up, growing up, waking up, and showing up. And last Sunday, we began this journey of transformation together, looking at cleaning up and growing up today, growing up and waking up. Our scripture lesson for this sermon on waking up is John 14, verses 23 to 27. For those of you who are able, would you please stand and honor the reading of the gospel, John 14, 23 to 27. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Jesus is speaking to his disciples on the occasion of his last meal with them. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God, and thanks be to God. You can be seated. If you'll permit me a quick review, cleaning up, growing up, waking up. Cleaning up, last week we talked about cleaning up is what it suggests. There are attitudes, there are behaviors, there are beliefs. Perhaps my life is not on the path that I would like it to be, and I need to stop some things, so I need some cleaning up. Cleaning up is where we get started on this transformation journey. It's committing ourselves to the basics. Some of us in this room right here, we learned the Apostles' Creed in the early age. We learned the Lord's Prayer. We learn the books of the Bible, the Ten Commandments. It's why that in most major religions they begin with purity codes. Why would you begin with purity codes? Because the people of God are needing to clean up, and that's where you begin, this cleaning up. People who are cleaning up in their lives, they focus very heavily on the, what are the essentials? What is it that I need to know? What is the foundation that I need to build my life upon? And we talked about in the book of Acts last week, this strange passage in Acts 15 where Paul says, these are the essentials, these are the things you need to know. Don't eat meat, sacrifice to idols, don't drink blood, don't eat meat strangled that has been from a strangled animal, uh, no sexual immorality, 
Those are the things. And the three of the four of those, we would think to ourselves, those are the essentials. That, at the end of the day, is what is most important. And we talked about that Paul was needing them to clean up in a particular way, and cleaning up takes different forms and different kinds of essentials in different times. My grandmother, Mamal Corey, my great-grandmother, lived to be 92. You remember some of you that were here last week, you remember her six essentials. This is what it meant for my great-grandmother to clean up. You remember? No drinking, dipping, smoking, cussing, playing cards, or games with dice. That's it. That's cleaning up. And if you mastered those things, then you were cleaning up in your life. Many of us experience revival meetings in our background. I walked the aisle as an eight or nine year old in my home church, revival meetings. It was a strategy for cleaning people up. It was a strategy for getting people started on this journey of transformation. But that's not where you stop. You don't get stuck in the cleaning up process. I had someone go out after the first service last Sunday when we were talking about revivals and cleaning up, and she said, I knew a man who went to, he said, I went to 16 straight revivals and I got saved at 16 revivals. I mean, how many times are you getting, how many times are you cleaning up? But it's tempting, it's tempting to get stuck there because at the level of cleaning up the basics, the essentials as we might understand them, it's the place that allows religion to be very black and white. It allows us to just know these are the things that I have to have in place in my life, and that simplifies my life. But what can happen when we get struck, st stuck in that cleaning up process, if we get stuck there, then we can become, we can become very judgmental we can become very dogmatic. We can become like the fundamentalist in the world today because they know what is essential. And by golly, you need to do the same essentials. This is cleaning up. Cleaning up is a good place to start. We have to start somewhere, but it is not a good place to stay. Transformation is not just about cleaning up. It's about growing up. Growing up is moving beyond those externals. Growing up is moving beyond the words and the right beliefs, if you will. It's moving beyond religion understood as thou shalt not and thou shalt not. Some of you have heard people say, you know, I'd be Christian, but being a Christian, it's all just following a bunch of rules. And that's not what it is. It's more than just following a bunch of set rules. It's growing up. And growing up has to do with our capacity, our capacity to live through the gift of the Spirit that is primary, that God gave us to grow up. And the primary gift of the Spirit is, this, is the gift of, what's the primary gift of the Spirit? What is the one gift that Paul said, if you are on this path of transformation, if you are being recreated, as he would put it, in Christ Jesus, there is one primary gift of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. And the one primary gift is love. Right? We make it so complicated. Paul's like, 
I don't care if you speak in tongues. I don't care if you can prophesy. I don't care if you have the gift of healing. None of those things matter. You need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I growing in the loving likeness of Jesus? It's the primary gift of the Spirit. It's the primary force, if you will, that grows us up. As Christians, growing up is about the community of faith, learning to live beyond yourself. The world doesn't revolve around you. The world isn't just about you. And salvation and transformation is not just about your one solitary life. I had a man, a wonderful man, God rest his soul, Guy Rafferty was a man in the first churches I served in Ohio County out of seminary, Mr. Guy, he looked like Roy Acuff. We would go to Denny's there in Beaverdam and people would come up wanting his autograph because he looked like Roy Acuff. And, and Mr. Guy, I'll never forget, we were at a Bible study on Wednesday night and I don't know what I was teaching. I'm not sure what I'm teaching right now sometimes, but Mr. Guy, what, whatever prompted him, he said, you know what, preacher, he said, I would be a Christian even if there wasn't a heaven. Interesting. Would you? If there wasn't some, as Thomas Merton put it, some personal salvation project that so many of us seem to be on, it's all focused on ourselves. It's all focused on my people, my family, my tribe, my country. And folks, if that's where we are, we haven't even moved past cleaning up. We're, we're not growing up. Because growing up moves us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And our lives are becoming transformed in a community of faith that witnesses beyond itself to the way God wants the world to be. And this transformation involves other people. And there's a fruit Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit. He didn't just talk about the gift of the Spirit, which was primary, which is love. But there is one fruit that is primary. There is one evidence that we are being transformed. And what is the very first fruit of the Spirit? Hmm? It involves the grace of God. That's a trick question. What was the first primary gift of the Spirit? Love. Guess what the first fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. The first evidence, the first proof that you're on this journey of transformation is love. We clean up and we grow up. It connects us. But there's more. There's more, and I think this particular stage or this particular movement, whether you're speaking of religion or spiritual formation or transformation, I think this is the most difficult. To wake up, waking up, in my mind, is the most difficult part. This passage out of John is about waking up. I don't know if you noticed, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we, he says we, Jesus is one with the Father. And they will speak of the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. It's a very Trinitarian passage. Then we will come to them. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to His disciples. We will come to them and make our home with them. Friends, when we wake up, that's what we are able to say 
with certainty that God in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, it is with me. There is no separation. I heard someone say not long ago, the only thing that separates you from God is the thought that you are separate from God. You are created in the image of God. The very likeness, the imprint of the divine is on your life and my life. And Jesus says, we will make our home with you. So how does one wake up? What does waking up in this process of transformation mean? It's been said like this. It's overcoming your feeling of separation, either from God or from your neighbor or from the world or even from yourself. And the hard part about this is waking up occurs really most often only two ways. There's only two ways most of us ever wake up in the world. Great love or great suffering. And if you've lived long enough, you know that those are two sides of the same coin. Great love and great suffering. Until we have loved deeply, until we have really suffered deeply in the world, most of us just kind of go through the motions. We're just on cruise control. We come to church and we hope the sermon's not too long and we can get to Rafferty's or wherever. I mean, we just kind of go through the motions. Nothing really shifts or changes. Nothing really makes an impact. But friends, in these great awakening moments, great love, great suffering, those are the places where transformation, those are the places where waking up occurs. So I don't know where you've experienced the greatest love in your life. If you're sitting by your spouse, you better say that's the greatest one. If you're near your children, is it your children? Some of you, some of you, you were awakened for the first time at the birth of your first grandchild. Because that's when you really got really weird. And what? I mean, you became another person. You let this child do things you never would have let your own children do. But you were so consumed. You were just captivated by the, this new life. The miracle of it. And you are at a place in your life where you can really enjoy this. And so you pour yourself and you're just so overflowing with love and you wake up and it wakes you up to the love that's available in the world that can be lived, lived out and with everyone. So when, when have you experienced that great love? If you haven't loved deeply, it's very likely that you've never woken up. Or if you have never experience great pain. I hate to say that. I mean, I like to preach happy sermons just like anybody. I can smile just like anybody else. But the reality is most of us never ever wake up until we experience deeply loss or pain. And the risk is We never know which way that's going to go in somebody's life. 
you know, I know persons that we could name because of a tragedy, because of losing someone that they never thought they could live without, because of that, their life was changed and they became cynical and hard-hearted and they rejected even the existence of God and bitterness set in and anger and resentment. And you and I would say, well, they never, they never got over it. But friends, the, the reality is, there are things that happen to us if we are living fully in this life. There are things that happen to us that we never get over. But there is the opportunity. The opportunity is there by the grace of God that it drives us deeper into this relationship with God. That we realize maybe for the first time we wake up to the fact that something beyond ourselves is sustaining us and getting us through. One of the strange passages of, that I think Jesus, one of his strange statements in the Gospels, he says, there's only one sign that I'm going to give you. And he says, the sign of Jonah. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? The sign, Jonah and the whale, that's the one sign he's giving us. The one sign he gives us is because sooner or later, life, is going to lead you or lead me as it did Jesus into the belly of the beast, into a place, into a place where you can't fix it and you can't control it and you can't explain it and you can't understand it. But the beauty of that is that is exactly the place where transformation can occur. That you are in that moment, in that place, in that experience, you are uniquely in the hands of a loving God. That's waking up. I had a friend down in Trigg County. He was a pastor. He's retired now. I don't know how he said it. I still don't. Fully understand. I don't think I could have said what he said. He was diagnosed with cancer seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. And after he had lived with that, been through two or three surgeries, I was visiting with him. And he said these words because he is somebody who had woken up. I don't know how he did it, the grace of God, but he said, Cancer, cancer is one of the best gifts I've ever received. I don't know about you. I don't know that. I, that's not probably what I'm going to be saying if, God forbid, that's what someone says to me. But for him, for Kenny, it was his, he woke up. He loved his wife more and he loved his kids more and he loved his grandkids. And he was, a, he was a farmer. He was a bivocational pastor and he loved being on his tractor more. And it's as if the world had woken up. It's like that Mary Oliver poem. She sees these geese flying and she says, I may never see them again. It doesn't matter. But what matters is when I saw them, I saw them. You wake up and you see the world and you see other people in a completely different light. That 
is waking up. That is what Frederick Beekner refers to when I think he's, when he says the worst thing, the worst thing is never the last thing. It's Dr. King, when Dr. King talked about the moral arc of the universe, it, it's long and it bends toward justice. He could endure the things he endured. Why? How could he do that? Because he knew that there was something working, even in the hardships, even in the heartache, even in the disappointment. Those things were working out. It's what Paul says to us in the first lesson that Rick read. What can separate us? At the end of the day, what can separate us from the love of God? And Paul says, and he, as he lists the, a litany of things that most of us would say, well, that would separate me. That would separate me. Well, that one would separate me. But Paul says, no. Nothing can separate us from the love of, of God in Christ Jesus. That's waking up. You see, waking up is living in this crucible of life. And the crucible of life, friends, the crucible of life, all of life is this. There is dying and there is rising. Let me do that again. Dying, rising. Dying, rising. Dying and rising. Not once in our life, over and over and over, if we are living fully, the full gamut and spectrum of life, we learn, we learn to trust. We learn, as Jesus says, don't, don't worry and don't be afraid. I've built into this thing, this dying and rising, dying and rising. Our Catholic friends refer to it as the Paschal Mystery. And we wake up, friends, we wake up when we can trust. We can trust that we are not separated from God and we can trust the very love and grace of God that sustains, that sustains us through absolutely anything. Wake up. I don't wish any ill on any of you. I hope you don't wish ill on me. But in those moments, I pray that God gives you the grace and God would give me the grace to wake up. And so, I'll end the way I ended last week. Where are you? Cleaning up? Growing up? Waking up? Don't be discouraged. And don't be anxious. And don't be afraid. Transformation is a lifelong process of growing in God's grace, ultimately, ultimately completed by God's grace in eternity. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift and the power of your Holy Spirit the gift of your love for us that continues to shape our lives and to transform them more into the image and likeness of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. That is our heart's desire. That is our goal for our own lives and for the life of our church and the life of this world that you came to save in Christ Jesus. Transform us, O oh God, so that we might be your transforming agents in the world. 
that others might experience your kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. We give you thanks in the name of your Son and our Savior, your transformation made flesh, Jesus Christ, and all God's children seeking that transforming love did say, Amen.